millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The biggest breaking news stories, an outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. Good morning to you. It's Wednesday the 12th of April. You're watching Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley Brewer, on Talk. Coming up, US President Joe Biden has arrived in Northern Ireland last night and will meet with Rishi Sunak this morning, promising to keep the peace in Northern Ireland. Meanwhile, as the junior doctor strike enters its second day, it's been revealed their militant leader, Dr Robert Lawrenson, has gone on holiday for the week. And 1,106 migrants have crossed the channel in small boats in the past week alone. That's more than double in the same week last year and a record so far this year. The time right now is 6.33. This is Talk Breakfast. Oh, good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Very much appreciate you joining me. Always do. Uh, very much appreciate also my guest joining me this morning in the studio. That's Tom Slater, who is the editor of Spiked Online. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. Um, well, it's an awful lot to talk about um, today. Of course, yeah, peace in Northern Ireland being guaranteed by uh, President Joe Biden. Um, I, I, I've got to be honest with you, ever since we were told we'd be at the back of the queue if we voted for Brexit when Obama put his nose into uh, our internal affairs when it came to the Brexit referendum in 2006, I'm not that keen on American presidents dictating things. We know perfectly well that the Windsor framework that was uh, agreed by Rishi Sunak, which I said at the time, on paper, you know, so I, what, he, what he announced sounded good. It, would the small print add up? Uh, no, what a surprise, the small print didn't add up. Um, but um, uh, that, that, that deadline for that was entirely dictated by President Joe mm -hmm. Biden's arrival for the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement, which, of course, was on Monday. Um, he's arrived now. He's now pledging that his top priority is keeping uh, peace in Northern Ireland. Do we need the American president to do that? No, we don't. I mean, I think, if anything, when it comes to the question of Northern Ireland, 
American president, certainly the Democrats, had been always a hindrance and something we were getting in the way. They would often take uh, Brussels' side, they would take Dublin's side, they would take a very yeah. one-eyed view of what was a very delicate balance in those negotiations. And now you've got Joe Biden coming up and singing the praises of the Windsor framework, um, despite the fact it wasn't that long ago that he was formally reprimanding British diplomats <laughs> over yeah. daring to touch the Northern Ireland Protocol at all. So yeah, like, like, he doesn't yeah, like, know who, what he's talking about also, when it comes to this. Who the hell are you? I know exactly. you're in the free world. Can you bother you, bother yourself with some you know, some of the tyrants around mm. the world and, and, and not get involved with what, what is going on in, in Northern Ireland? Well, I mean, he's going to be meeting with various people, uh, you know, party leaders and the like, and of course greeted by you know, the Sinn Féin leader, big hugs yesterday uh, on, the, uh, on the tarmac, and Rishi Sunak was there to meet him as well. Um, we've got bilateral talks between Joe Biden and Rishi Sunak today. Um, now, you know, obviously, you know, at least he's probably remembered Rishi Sunak's name. What did he call him? <laughs> Rashid Sunuk. Rashid. I'll never forget that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't laugh. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> It shouldn't be funny, but it, can you imagine that moment that you've just become prime minister yeah. and the American gonna president get the gets your name wrong? <laughs> it's just, yeah, no. But anyway, um, um, there, there's not going to be a formal sort of group meeting mm. with leaders. I think people like Tony Blair are going, don't do that. That's going to be ending in tears. Um, but he's going to, Japan's going to deliver an address at Ulster University at their Belfast campus. Um, uh, uh, and, and he's going to commemorate the Good Friday Agreement. And uh, we know there have been, you know, obviously big security concerns. I mean, that city has been basically locked down. And four um, pipe bombs were found. Uh, suspected pipe bombs were discovered um, at the scene of a distant Republican march uh, yesterday. Um, so obviously they're all massive concerns. We've got a heightened security alert already for attacks on the police, not even on Joe Biden. Um but in terms, it's a four-day visit. I mean, most of it's going to be spent in the Republic mm -hmm. of Ireland, not in Northern Ireland. Do you think this will achieve anything? No, it's primarily seems to be a kind of jaunt for Joe Biden, who is very proud of his Irish heritage. He seems to be, you know, going down south of the border in order to do a bit more family tree visit, you know, his ancestral homes and so on. I mean, sure, he's spending those, about what, forty million. Aren't there forty million um, Irish? Uh... I mean, everyone thinks they're Irish in America, don't they? Basically, really, if, you, but... if you can't tan. <laughs> Like Tom Sater and myself, then basically you've probably got Irish blood. That's how it works, yeah. We're, we're, you, know. you know, he's going to enjoy himself. He's going to go down south, he'll go to the Guinness factory, he'll, you know, yeah. have a nice time. That primarily seems to be the point of the visit, I dare say. I mean, he's spending, what, a twenty, just less than 24 hours in Northern Ireland itself. Um, and whilst he wants to present himself as, again, the guarantor of peace, you would have thought that he personally wrote the Good Friday Agreement the way in which yeah. he's speaking at the moment. Uh, yes, this to the extent which this is anything other than a pretty kind of personal junkets at this point yeah. it's not entirely clear. and obviously there must be some business deals available because his son hunter biden I has I arrived as that, well yeah. i mean i'm assuming hunter is going to get some super duper multi-million pound contract uh for for some amazing knowledge that he has of the irish economy mm -hmm. uh, in the same way that he has for other countries around the world well, china been, ukraine he's been there 24 hours i'm sure he, he's already got his head around the local services and so on yeah uh, but yes striking <laughs> to see him there yeah, well, you see, you know, nowhere to go. We need your laptop. Man. There we are. <laughs> um, let's talk about the junior doctor strike stuff that's actually affecting uh, people's daily lives. Um, people are pretty much up in arms over the lead of the junior doctors union. This extraordinary young man, um, Rob Lawrenson. Um, he's 28 years old. But he looks. You remember Doogie Howser? MD. Do you remember that American TV series of a sort of 12-year-old kid or whatever it was? Uh, well, he looked like he was 12. He was a young doctor. This guy, I mean, he looks, he does look about 12 years old. Um, he's um, the co-chair of the British Medical Association's Junior Doctors Committee. Um, not appearing on picket lines, not appearing in interviews. Usually, you know, he's very, very obviously highly intelligent, articulate young man. Um, but uh, he's not appearing uh, in any of the interviews. Why? Oh, because he's gone on holiday all week. Apparently, he's gone to a friend's wedding. Um 
This, of course, uh, perhaps, you know, interesting timing. Of course, he doesn't have his pay docked at all because he's on mm-hmm. holiday rather than on strike. Um, again, it, it's not a good look. I can remember Bob Crow when we used to have uh, tube strikes in London um, and he was head of the RMT and, and he'd be off on the beach in Brazil. I once invited him on a radio show and, and served him cocktails Oh, uh, Brazilian music in the background, just to sort of you know make, make the point, like you know, while other people were suffering and couldn't get around anywhere. This is by the way, when people actually left their homes to go to work, um, and he and he was on a beach. Um, it's not a good look, is it? It's not a good look, and I'm I'm not convinced that Dr. Lawrence is as good as batting back in a kind of uh, amusing fashion. Some of those criticisms, as Bob Crow would, you know, talk about what am I supposed to do? Sit under a tree and read Marx all day or whatever. Yeah. He would he would have a way of coming back from this. Whereas it, the, you know, in terms of this, it does just look like it's another misstep from the BMA in terms of their handling this strike and regardless of where you stand on the strike action itself I think things like this where you're not there um, again on the picket line on the day in which you need to be in order to make the case because you are in a battle for public opinion that yeah. is so well they're, they're still winning public opinion I mean, they've got less support than nurses and ambulance workers who obviously mm-hmm. were lower paid than them Absolutely. not much that. difference though um, yeah, you know, yeah but 54 percent of people say they back uh, doctors um, uh, and not on strike 26 percent say they, they don't um what i find is interesting is it's all very well people do you support strike action or don't you mm-hmm. my thing is okay and how much extra tax are you willing to pay for the pay rise they're demanding would be the question. You know, put your money where your mouth is. Do you support it? There, there are plenty of people I think, yeah, she should be paid more. And yes, I think you should pay me. You know, yeah, I should pay more tax to pay for it. I mean, I would happily pay more tax to build more prisons, for instance. I really would. I, I just um, there are various things I'd pay for. Um, I, I'm, I'm very much I don't want doctors to be on strike. I don't want any NHS workers to be on strike. And there are very strong arguments, like with the police, that people do vital work like this, that going on strike is inappropriate. That said, you know, they've got these independent salary review boards. But of course, they, they can only work within the remit they're given by the government. If the government says, by the way, there's no money for more than a 3% pay rise mm-hmm. or whatever, then they can't they can't suggest more than three percent. So, when, when they're not independent in that mm-hmm. sense, and it's quite clear we have a massive problem of recruitment and retention for nurses, ambulance staff, doctors, radiographers, everybody, everyone in the NHS who actually does a useful job. Mm-hmm. I mean, plenty of plenty of candidates for you know forty seven grand a year diversity workers sitting there pushing paper and making everyone else's lives hell, not producing anything. Those jobs you can, you can always find people for, but. In any in any walk of life, you know, when you can't find an HGV driver, mm-hmm. if you can't get you know a waitress in your restaurant, you have to put your wages up to yeah. get. More. That's what you do. But we don't seem to be doing that in the NHS, and it seems to me that's something we do need to do. That and training a lot more mm-hmm. of our homegrown, uh, young, bright youngsters who want to be doctors. We only let about a third of those who who qualify A level grade wise into medical school. We can solve this problem in ten, fifteen years, mm-hmm. but we have to start solving it today. Um, but, but I, I don't want them to go on strike. But I think they should be paid more. I think that someone who starts out as a doctor should be on more than 14 quid an hour. And it's been, it's, I think it should be clear to anyone looking at this that this has become an untenable situation. You know, even if you take the, uh, the, the lower inflation figure of what they're asking for, they are still looking at needing close to a 20% pay rise in order to just sustain where they were. But they're asking for 35%. No one thinks they're going to get that. No, exactly. But even if you take the kind of, you know, the, 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 the figure that people think is probably closer to the reality, it's still pretty significant. You're talking about highly skilled people who people expect to be well paid because of all of the like, debt they take on, all the education yeah. that they take on. Um, and yet there is still this problem. There's also still staff shortages across the NHS. 
And especially when when you talk about people needing to, you know, are you going to pay more money? But also there's this understanding that there's a lot of money in the NHS that doesn't go to frontline staff, yeah. that goes to people in between, that goes to needless bureaucracy and so on. And you, you do, I think people do look at the health service and have a have a mixed response to it, which is that they're very thankful for the people who work certainly at the front line. They want them to be paid well and so on. But at the same time, they do recognise that the institution is a little bit uh, incredibly dysfunctional, and yeah. it feels like frontline staff are being made to pay the price for yes, that dysfunction. Indeed. Which I mean, is that's the thing. There's good. so much money going into NHS. I mean, the claims about oh well, you know, it's being run down. Mm-hmm. It's just it wasn't getting as much as it should have got in in the in the sort of ten years previous to COVID. That is the case. You can't you can't just increase by a couple of percent when you've got a massively aging population. That's and and major innovation in innovation in, in, in medicine, which meant that there's a huge extra cost uh, for treatments anyway. But um. But, but there's huge amounts of money going in. But no one seems to know where the money's going because it's not hiring new doctors and nurses. So mm-hmm. where is all this money going? I know it's going, there's a lot going on medicine, there are, you know, a lot more treatments. Uh, I, mean, hu- I mean, huge number of us use the NHS every mm-hmm. single day, although not as much at the moment, uh, obviously, because we, we, we're not able to. But um, yeah, the difficulty is, you know, I go on strike. Um, you know, someone else can come and do my job. Um, you know, so so there are blank airwaves. I'm sorry about that, but no one's going to die. People are going to die this week. People, are, I, mean, I get the doctor's point that people are already dying mm-hmm. because of the shortages of staff. But but people are going to die as a result of the strike action this week. I think the problem is if we get into this sort of argument is first of all we're going to suggest that people who work for the National Health Service are just incapable of striking given what you've said about these independent mm. pay bodies I mean that is something which is going to be a bitter pill to swallow for people working for the health service you've then also got the point as you say which is the fact the number of people who are dying as a consequence of the general dysfunction as well as the yeah. backlog which has been produced by lockdown as much as everyone likes to pretend it was other things which have led to that particular outcome and you've then got the situation where you know people could easily throw the argument back at the government well if you funded the health service better then surely you've got blood in your hands because you're not doubling yeah. the NHS budget next yeah. week. So it's not necessarily the most straightforward way of looking no. at it. This is a this is a genuine pay dispute. People see that they have a case. There might be disagreements over the tactics, percentage and tactics or, yeah. and so on. But nevertheless, it's, I, I think to they've clearly got a case yeah, that needs to be indeed. answered. Uh, well, Thomas Edelman, more from you coming up. We're going to be talking about the migrant boats, going to talk about the IMF forecast and what on earth is going on at the CBI. This is Talk Breakfast. The biggest breaking news stories and outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley-Brewer on Talk Radio.